0: cynthia hyatt
1: well good afternoon i'm cynthia hyatt thank you so much for joining me today and you are listening to conversations with cynthia always make sure that if you are just tuning in and can't listen to the entire segment the entire hour you can always go to my website at cynthiahyatt.com and that's c-i-n-t-h-i-a-h-i-e-t-t.com And we have a link there. You can share it with with friends as well. And so you can also go to iTunes, and that will take you to all the different podcast servers that the show is now on. So thank you again for taking your your Sunday afternoon to listen. And if you remember, if you've been an ongoing listener, you know that we're doing the best year ever. And so... You know, one of the things that we talked about in the month of January was, you know, letting your past be in the past, putting it to rest, not letting the past continue to be in your present and then dictating your future for you. So we're going to talk today about, you know, is your past still haunting you? Do you still have those things in your past that you think about And you shudder or you get that rush of adrenaline or that, you know, you you fall like 20 stories inside of yourself down to your gut. And you just can't stand to think about it. Well, we're really going to do the undoing your past because everybody loves a great comeback, right? And the enemy wants to discourage us and tell us that we're a failure and just to stay down. So you've watched, I'm sure many of you have watched boxing matches You know when when one of the boxers gets hit and he's down and they start counting and he does everything he can to get back up and he gets back up he starts fighting again and everybody goes crazy because we love people that fall and get up we see this in in athletics all the time we see this in people that have lost millions and come back and made billions and so we love that about a comeback so i want to read this verse to you and this is roman's chapter eight, thirty-seven through 39 and it is a really powerful verse and I hope this gives you some new insight and it says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's very powerful. It says nothing. We are conquerors, and conquerors don't win every battle, but they do conquer the war. And that's part of ending your life well, and that's part of doing this year well. So the thing that I noticed in this verse that I think is really, really, really powerful is the, the the author says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height or depth, anything can separate us from the love of God. But you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say the past. It doesn't say neither the present nor the future nor the past. Can separate us and this is why this is so important if you still keep alive your past it will separate you from all kinds of things that God wants you to have because the past needs to truly be in the past and the only reason that God gives us memory is to learn from our past but he wants us to move away from our past, whether it was great successes or great failures, because the past needs to be in the past. And if you've ever noticed anything that you do in life, if the negativity of the past comes into your present, it affects everything that it touches. So if you had past failures, or you had hurt, harm in relationships in the past, and you show up in a new relationship with all that baggage, what does it do to the person that's brand new in your life, that wants a new start with you? They have to try to overcome all that has occurred in the past in order to be in relationship with you. So this is why God is saying, hey, nothing can separate you. Nothing can separate you from me, except your past. If you're living in the past, you cannot have the relationship with God today that you need to move forward. Now, he's not saying that it's going to separate his love from you. Doesn't mean that you're going to hell or something. It simply means that it will take away everything God has wanted to give to you because you are staying in the past. And you are lamenting about the past, reliving the past, agonizing over the past. When God has said to you, it's over, it's done, move on. See, there's nothing in today that will happen or the future that is gonna separate you from all the things that God has for you because you haven't been there yet. But the past, if you stay in the past, then that can separate you from the beautiful love of God that he has for you to experience in your present life in order to get you to the future that he's planned for you. So it's imperative that we learn from our past. Unfortunately, humans have to make mistakes in order to learn. (laughs) You know, I don't like making mistakes, but I do want to be a quick learner. I don't want to have to keep redoing and undoing and repeating my mistakes. I really want to try to just do it one time and get on with it and get over it. And so I want you to think about, think about Alexander Graham Bell. Many times he failed when he was trying to do the phone. How about Edison as he was creating the light bulb? One, he had a reporter that asked him, he said, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? And you want to know what Edison replied? He said, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention that took 1,000 steps. I mean, is that amazing? That's amazing. He did not let the past stop him from moving forward and creating the light bulb. That's really imperative that we really understand how important it is when God is saying, all I want you to do is learn from the past and move on, move forward. Be a new person every day. He says, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every day is a new day. Every day we start anew. And God knew that we needed new days. Could you imagine Groundhog Day, right? Or could you imagine if the day never ended? You were born and it never ended until you died. There's no way we would have the endurance to do that. So the best way to deal with your past is to reconcile with it. In other words, I need to accept my past as is. It is what it is. I'm not going to lie to myself about it. I'm not going to rewrite it. I'm not going to embellish it. I'm not going to romanticize it either. See, acceptance does not necessarily mean agreement. And I can't tell you how important that insight was to me when God gave that to me. Because I was struggling with accepting some things in my past and saying, but they weren't right. Like as if God didn't know that, right? And God says to me, Cynthia, I just want you to accept the fact that it happened. That you have that propensity or you have that ability. But it doesn't mean you agree with what you did. See, if I agreed with what I did, that would be a whole different level of problem. So accepting my past as is fully and truthfully as is doesn't mean I agree with everything that I did. And it doesn't mean I agree with everything that happened to me or what others did to me. But I can accept it, learn from it and move on. So your past is a powerful reminder of who you want to be or who you don't want to be. That's why it's so important. It's a very big part of our development. It's a very big part of our identity. So our past either tells us, hey, keep doing that. It works. That's awesome. That's really you. That's the unique. That's the, that's the true you. That's the authentic you. Or my past says, yeah, I don't need to do that again. I don't want to live through that again. I learned. I don't need to make that mistake again. I don't need to relearn that. I got it. I don't need to repeat it. So using your memory to gain a better understanding of your past allows you to create new history versus rewriting or denying the past. But if you use your memory to beat you up, then all you're doing is bringing the past into your present and you're bound to repeat it. So the past is not for self-deprecation and for beating ourselves up. It's not for undermining us. It's for absolutely having a very, very salient view of ourselves. Hey, this is what I know I'm capable of doing. I don't like when I shock myself in, in a negative way. I like shocking myself positively. You know, I don't like surprising myself negatively, like I can't believe I did that. I didn't think I was even capable of that. What the heck was I thinking? I don't like those moments. So I work hard at having fewer of those moments, which means I'm not denying my past, and I'm not rewriting it so that it feels better. I'm accepting it 100%, and I'm learning from it so that I don't have to repeat it. So while you really can't undo your past to rewrite your history, it's, it's ridiculous that we try to do this, you can redo your present and create a new future for yourself and others, even those that you may have offended. That's why, that's why this past, present, future is so amazing. And this is one of the reasons God placed humans in time. He knew we needed time. If we had to make the decision whether or not to go to heaven or to hell in one minute, not having any understanding of what we were doing, that wouldn't have been fair. So God said, you know, I'm going to give you time. You're going to get it figured out. You're going to figure out who you are if you so desire. And if you want help, I'm going to help you. And if you want to be the best version of you, the one that I originally designed and I thought about when I made you, I will help you be that. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue to talk about your past and is it really truly still haunting you? Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today, and happy Sunday to you. I'm glad that you're starting your week out with this show. And I want you to, to know that if you're just tuning in, this verse is what I'm really basing a lot of this show on, and that is Romans chapter 8, 37 through 39. And it says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am now convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the reason this is so powerful is because this verse does not mention the past. It says, Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything, will be able to separate us from the love of God. And the love of God is that energy that we need to be able to take on the life that He has given us, that He says He has good things for us, to prosper us, not to harm us, for a hope and a future. So we want to take hold of that. So what that's telling me is, he says nothing can separate you, height, nor depth, future, or present. But he didn't say the past, which tells me that the past gets in the way of my present and my future, and it can steal from me if I'm living in the past, if I'm stuck in the past. And so we talked about this. That it's, you, know, it, you can't really necessarily undo or rewrite history. I mean, you can, but it's a lie. And so y- you can redo your present moment and you can create a new future for yourself and others, e- even those that you, that you may have offended. And this can be extremely admirable and healing, a really admirable and healing experience for those that you've let down, as well as the possible cultivation of new hope. See, the beautiful thing about time is the opportunity to create new history While I can't undo the past, I need to treasure my present and my future because this is where hope lies when I'm creating new history. If I'm diligent in creating that new history, that new history becomes what I'm now known for and is oftentimes seen very positively. I'm now viewed as a brave overcomer and I now get to be in the elite group of individuals who actually change. See, everybody loves a comeback, right? We love to be heroes and to have heroes in our lives and to study what heroic behavior is about. Well, I see heroes every day in my office. They come in and they struggle and they talk and they open up and they are truthful and they are desiring a different future. They don't want their past dictating their present and then creating the future that is exactly like the past. So this is what I want you to think about. People can change. They can learn and they can grow. And what usually that change is about is changing into who God really, truly intended for us to be versus the person that I created, myself, or that the world is telling me to be. And so the change, the learning, the growing has everything to do with taking hold of God's design, God's idea. See, he's an artist. And you know anyone that's an artist of any kind, they don't like it when you mess with their design. It's really offensive. So when I really (laughs) learned that with God, he's like, stop messing around with my design. I love how I made you, Cynthia. I planned you this way. I knit you together in your mother's womb, and I said, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. That was really tough for me to take in. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. I hadn't really experienced it. And so it was a trust issue with my creator that he's saying, I want you to change into who you really are, not change who I designed you to be. And so this is, this is super important because when people, can, people do change, they do learn, they do grow. But if I do keep doing the same thing, I'm going to keep getting the same results. You've heard that before, right? Or it's that issue of insanity. I keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting to get a different result. So if I keep doing that, people will then anticipate that I'm going to be the same old, same old. And it makes it harder for me to break out of that. It's harder for me to teach people a new me. If I continue to do the old me, the past me. So if I have a moment of change, I I have to tell you, it's not really going to be trusted until it becomes new history so i tell people don't change until you're really ready to seriously implement it for real because otherwise you're going to be like that story of the you know the boy that cried wolf you're going to keep telling everybody you changed and they'll experience you doing it one time and then you don't continue in that change and it's worse than if you just would have never tried because once they experience the fact that you really can change you just don't want to now or you don't want to put the effort into it that's worse than the belief that, well, maybe that's really just who they are and we need to accept them. So don't change until you're ready to seriously implement it. The worst thing that you really can do is occasionally be who people need you to be or would like you to be, or the person that you know you should be and can be. The worst thing you could do is do it sometimes. Because when people do get that glimpse of what you really could do and you just don't want to do it, it further intensifies and proves the hurt of the past. And it's that people can see that you can be healthier. And if you do that as well, you let yourself down. And what you and I both know, oh gosh, when I let myself down, and I shock and surprise myself, there's it's that's the worst. And so I want to show and prove I can behave well. And I choose to do that. I don't want to show people that I have the ability to do it, and I just, don't, I just don't want to. It's too much effort. See, others may think that my new actions are just a ploy to get something and that I'm manipulating them. They don't trust them. So they think, oh, now you're doing it. Now you're doing it because this is what you want. And they think, well, if you can do it, why haven't you? Why now? Why now are you doing this? Why are you now being nice to me or kind to me or deferring to me or building me up or not lying to me? Right? Whatever that may be. And they start to really think that as soon as you get what you want, you'll just go back to how you used to be. So if I choose to change history and create a new history, and I'm wanting people to believe my new history... I need to first have a solid plan and know that I can't change everything all at once. So in order to elicit trust and encourage people to risk relational investment in me and to reinvest in me, I almost have to be perfect, right? But we know that that's not possible. So the antidote for mistakes is this, when I mess up, which is inevitable, I don't make excuses. I don't minimize it. I own up to it. And I ask the offended person to let me repair it. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about the greatest comeback ever. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for tuning back in. And if you're just now listening, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to the show in its entirety or on iTunes. And iTunes can also take you maybe to your favorite podcast server and probably the show is on that as well. So we are talking about this idea of undoing your past. And if your past is still haunting you, And the danger of continuing to live in the past, which is dead, what it does is it affects our present moment, which then begins to dictate our future for us. It's kind of like driving your car while you're looking in the rearview mirror. It's a pretty dangerous thing to do. So you don't need to look in the rearview mirror to move forward all the time. You barely glance at the rearview mirror if necessary. So the past is really there to tell us who we really, really are or who we really, really aren't. So our past is helping us to be who we really know we should be and could be, and would be, ought to be versus the laziest, easiest way for me to be. So we are talking a lot about changing history. And that doesn't mean we change the past. <coughs> Excuse me. It means that we're creating new history for people by undoing the past, by doing it differently in the present, and then that leads to the future, and pretty soon we are known more for our new history than we are for the long ago old history. So if I choose to change history, remember we need to have a solid plan because I can't change everything at once And perfection is not possible, and so I'm going to make mistakes. So the way that you fix the mistakes while you are purposefully changing is you admit. You don't make excuses. You own up to it. You ask the offended party what they need in order for it to be repaired, and you do more than what they've asked, even if it doesn't make sense to you you do what they ask. So furthermore, I do it with a good attitude and I take it seriously because it's serious to them. So there have been times that I have hurt people's feelings and I have to tell you, I I thought, wow, that hurt your feelings? That would have never occurred to me. And I'm a pretty sensitive person. I'm a pretty intuitive person. And so the best way for me to heal that is to simply take it seriously. It doesn't have to make sense to me. It makes sense to them that they were hurt so that is, becomes important to me so think about the story of let's say Jane and John they're in a relationship and Jane continues to be offensive she accuses him of things she tells him he's a liar she doesn't believe it and this guy maybe he's a John's a really good guy but she has all kinds of baggage in her past And so she keeps projecting onto him all the stuff that she's experienced. And no matter what he does, it doesn't seem to matter. She just keeps waiting for him to mess up. And so this is what you want to think about. If she then has strayed from the relationship because she's sure he's doing it, and she's now created that level of mistrust, then it's really difficult for her to create new history. So we all hope that she's going to choose well and reinforce new history. So how sad would it be if after all the effort she put into repairing the relationship, she then drops the ball, right? So when I give them a different response and I say, Hey, I'm owning up to my choices. I'm not making excuses. I'm caring deeply about how my behaviors affect you. Then I'm able to create new history because I take their experience seriously and I'm not rationalizing it and I'm not giving them excuses like, well, I've done so well for the last two months and now I mess up one time. You have to remember that that's what time is doing for us. The farther away I get from the offenses, the better people manage if I slip. But if I only have one good day and 29 of them are bad, then I'm the one sabotaging myself. So I take their experiences seriously. I deeply appreciate their forgiveness, their willingness and patience is what they need to continue to allow me to create new history. I say thank you for your patience. Because really, truly, everybody loves to come back. And they see those who come back and change or rectify as heroes. So be a hero. Overcome your deficits, your proclivities, your selfishness. Do this through humility and courage and face the worst parts of you. Become the person they can admire, not for your past, but for how you overcame your past. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We have one more segment. Join me again as we talk more about be the greatest comeback of you. I hear the whispers in my so welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about undoing your past and if your past is still haunting you. And how really dangerous it is to continue to let your past be alive when it really is actually dead. Because if we do that, then our past is now actually in our present. And then our present time, how we are acting in the present, really predicts our future. So it's imperative that we let the past be the past. And the past is only something to learn from. It's not something to beat ourselves up with. Not something to continue to lament over, to be embarrassed about. It's over, it's dead. And the only way, unfortunately, for humans to learn is really through experience. And that is by making mistakes. And so I love it when I can just learn from a book, but then I usually have to put it into action. And the first time I put something into action, I probably am not as successful as I would like to be. So I keep trying. So think about the heroes that have these great comebacks, and how amazing we think they are. So this is what I want you to think about. When you decide to change, this is honoring to you and to others, and this helps you like and love yourself as you become more comfortable in your own skin. You know, you're with yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When I realized, you know, God said to me, you know, you're going to be Cynthia forever. I almost had a heart attack. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I'm going to be somebody different when I go to heaven. I don't know. But when I realized that, oh, this is it. I'm going to be Cynthia forever. So I might as well make peace with me. Learn to love me and actually like me and forgive myself And work really hard at being who God originally created me to be see you are with you all the time and once you die there's no opportunity to change so you'll always be you and I want you to be known for how you loved people and how you lived I want you to be the best version of you because you're going to be you forever so I looked up comebacks because i think it's really fascinating and this is what i want you to think about the when we talk about you know the 12 disciples in jesus the disciples went from being cowards to courageously defending their faith in jesus jesus of nazareth as as the messiah who had risen from the dead so you don't make that kind of transformation in just a few weeks right and we know the story of many of these disciples but, if, but something very dramatic happened in their life. And Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. And he told the disciples to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then they would have the power to go out and be witnesses. So what began 2,000 years ago continues to today. The same Jesus who rose from the dead is the same Jesus who will one day come again for all of us who put our faith in him. And so Jesus knew who he was picking when he picked those disciples. He knew them, and he knew what they were capable of, both positive and negative. Think about the story of Judas. He gave Judas so many chances. It wasn't like Jesus was, you know, tricked by Judas and had to find out that he really wasn't a good guy. He picked him on purpose, knowing he was a thief, knowing he was greedy, knowing he lied and was selfish and he worked with him as long as he could to help him undo and redo And jesus and judas never made it and jesus turned to him and said you know it would have been better if you'd never been born and he didn't say that with derision it was with compassion it was with pity it was like gosh you didn't make it you didn't make it you're going to be this now forever Your past will now be your future. So this is what's super important when you understand the heart and the message of Jesus. Because this is what makes Christianity different than any other religion. It gives us hope beyond death and into the eternal future. God has prepared for all of us who will accept Jesus, right? All of us. So this is what I found so fascinating. 2001 Sports Illustrated Magazine was covering the Baseball World Series in which actually the Arizona Diamondbacks recovered from a slump to defeat New York, the New York Yankees. It was in the last inning of the final game. And it started the editors thinking about the greatest comebacks in history because that's what the Arizona Diamondbacks did. So they produced this list of the top 10 comebacks of all time. And it was a very broad list. And a couple of the comebacks were kind of unusual. Like they said, Elvis Presley reviving his sagging career um, as a result of his TV special in 1968. How about Go Go Boots, which in 2000, three decades after their little kicky heyday, you know, they made a fashion revival. and, And so, I mean, which I'm wearing boots today, right? How about Harry Truman's 48 victory over Thomas Dewey when all the polls had him losing by this huge, large, large margin? They had the recovery of humanity from the Black Plague in the 14th century. 25 million Europeans died. How about Muhammad Ali? He returned from his forced seven-year exile from boxing to KO to completely knock out George Foreman. John Travolta revived his movie career by starring in Pulp Fiction. I don't, I'm not a super big fan of it, but we saw that John Travolta, who was huge, made this big comeback, still is here. How about Michael Jordan? Giving up his attempt to play baseball and returning to his first love, basketball. Isn't that amazing? Michael Jordan did this process that we're talking about. He went back to who he truly was. And he was considered in the greatest comebacks. In fact, number three in the list of 10 that they had. And so this is what's so fascinating to me, is that when you came down to Sports Illustrated, they had all these greatest comebacks, and you want to know who they named. The editors of Sports Illustrated magazine in November, on November 12, 2001, this issue, they said the greatest comeback of all time was Jesus Christ. He stunned the Romans, defied the critics by his resurrection from the grave. Even the world can see that the resurrection power that we have in Jesus is what can help us be the best version we could ever be. And we can undo all that was done that, we, that isn't truly us. So we have 12 disciples, 11 made it, one didn't. I don't want you to be the one that didn't make it. Jesus still loved Judas. He loved him deeply. And he was heartbroken that he didn't make it. And so we want to make sure that we make it. So when you think about the fourth quarter, really the fourth quarter is the only one that counts, right? It's starting over. It's a new life. It's ending well. What does that mean? It means that we overcome roadblocks, what might impede the process, like maybe the way that I view myself, or I get caught up in my age, or my gender, or my education, or my finances. And what are the things that get in the way? Well, an old dog can't learn new tricks. That's, we know that's not true. So this is what you want to think about. Who are your coaches? See, Joe, when we look at the story of Joe, he didn't have great coaches, right? <laughs> and how about his wife? His wife really wasn't very helpful either. See, everyone needs like a locker room. They need a time to regroup, to re-energize. Who do you have in that locker room that's helping you go back on, out on the field and really play your life the way it's supposed to be played? So I don't want you sitting in the stands. I don't want you walking off the field of your own life. I don't want you living in the parking lot and have your life become some tailgate party, right? I want you to be in the game of your life. Now, if you're in the locker room, remember that there are people out there in the stands that are waiting for you. They're waiting to cheer you on. The world is like a stadium. See, there's a reason that you were born. God has a plan. And he wants you to get out and play the game The God created you to do the game that he is destined for you to play. He wants you to play that position. You know, the best athletes are the ones that will accept the position that they play best at. Not everybody can be the pitcher, right? But everybody can play that game well if they do their part. So I want you to think about this. I don't want you to compete with others. I want you to compete with yourself. I want you to always be being a better version of you. See, all the people around you, they have their own game they're playing, that they're competing in. They have their own stadium that they're playing in. They have their life. So you make sure that you show up and you do your part, you do your position, and you play your game. And that's the game of life. And God wants you to really take it seriously because you aren't happenstance. He didn't just sort of create you and go, oh, shoot, now what am I going to do with them? Every single person that has been created was created with intention. I don't understand. All of the ways that God has created people or where he created or how he created them or where they're placed in time and space. I, I, I don't have that brilliance. But I do know I can trust him that every life matters. Every life matters to him. So you want to be redefining your life, reevaluating your life, redoing your life, always needing to start with de- the designer of your life. Who designed you? And ask to know how to best walk out your design. And think about that in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, He says, I have good plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. And when you call on me, I will listen. And I will tell you great and wonderful, beautiful things. So this is imperative that we accept what God has done with us and why he has made us and that, you know, I'm having comebacks all the time, right? I mean, sometimes some years are a good season for me. Some years I didn't play so well, but I'm not going to ever walk off the field and quit. I might sit in the locker room for a while get my plans back together. Maybe I got injured out there So I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to rehab so that I feel better and do better so I can show up and play the game well. But I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit my life. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about how important it is to let go of things that do not define you well. To let go of things that you think are a great idea but you know in your heart of hearts, might not be God's idea. And to be able to die to self and say, God, it's your will, it's your way. Not my way, but your way. Because God's way is always the best way. And I can testify to that. In my own life, God's way has always been the best way. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a blessed week and truly, truly enjoy who God has made you to be.